We're going to be reading out of Numbers 13 today. I'm using the NIV translation. And uh, we're going to be skipping through um, a couple different verses, uh, not reading the whole chapter, but we'll, we'll stay within Numbers 13 here. So verse 1 says, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. For each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees uh, in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. Verse 25, at the end of the 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. The report on the exploration in verse 26, it says, They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it is and does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land. And, they, and, and the land that they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We, see like grass, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Thank you, Jared, for reading God's Word. We're going to look at, yeah, give him a hand. It's good. Um, we're going to look at uh, Numbers 13, the story of the 12 spies together today. And look at God's word, and then we'll end with a time of worship and prayer. That's going to be uh, kind of our format as the Lord leads us into a, a new season. I went back to the beginning of the year, and I started looking at the different uh, sermons that uh, had been preached, what God had laid on the heart of us as his congregation. And um, I look back to actually New Year's Day. We have a New Year's Day service here at Christian Life where we come together in the evening and we take communion and we meet with God on the very first day of a brand new year. And, and if you were there, we began by talking about how it's, uh, it's a new year. And because it's a, 
uh, a new year, and it's 2020, that means it's actually a new decade. But that it was even more than a new decade, it was going to be a new day, a new season, that God was up to something big. And uh, little did we know how prophetic that was, because we live in a day like no other. We live in a, a moment of history that we'll never forget. We live in a world where a sickness has gone worldwide. We live in a world that is experiencing economic crisis. We are in a world that's extremely divided politically and racially. And, and, and we have some, some pretty big problems. I don't want to scare anybody, but I don't think we've even seen the worst of it yet. I don't know if you knew, but there's an election in November, and um, it's going to be rough. It's going to be a crazy time. The number one thing I hear from people about the season that we're in is this. I just want to go back to normal. I just want to get back to normal. I'm sorry to say, and, and now I will speak prophetically, prophetically, we're not going back to normal. It's a new day. God has something new, something fresh, something for his people. I believe that God is smashing some of our idols because he's king, and he wants us to listen to and follow him. And I want to say this. This is really important because I know that you pray for our city. Hands across Chicago. That's what we're going to do. We pray for our city. I know you pray for our nation. I know you pray for the world. I, I know you pray for revival. But here's the principle. God never just deposits a revival without using his people. He never does anything in this earth apart from you and from me. You can go to the Old Testament. You can go to the New Testament. You go throughout church history. God says, if my people, called by my name, humble themselves and pray. He's not just going to deposit his presence in the middle of Chicago. He's not just going to deposit his presence in the middle of Washington, D.C., although I I hope he deposits his presence in both places. It's going to be deposited there because you're there, praying, calling on God. God, show up. Revival begins with his people. Revival begins with his church. We are the light in the darkness. We are the salt of the earth. Our world needs a new day. It needs a new vision. It needs a new hope. It needs the people of God to cry out to God, to leave the old behind and to press in and possess the land that God has for us. The Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. An entire generation died. Not because of God's inability to get them into the promised land, but because of their inability to trust God. See, God had a plan. He had an inheritance for them. But they got too afraid. 
In Numbers 13 that Jared just read for us, there were 12 spies that were sent into the land, and they came back with two very different perspectives, very different reports. You think our nation is divided? They were divided. Between a, a good report of two people and a bad report of ten people. Press pause. When you look at the future, what do you see? When you begin to gaze out to the days ahead, what do you see? Here's the question. It'll be on the screen. Are you going to see the problem or are you going to see the promise? Are you going to see the goodness of our God or are you going to be debilitated by fear? Are you going to see the problem or are you going to see the promise because we need to be courageous, because listen to me, our God is bigger than any problem that is staring you down. God is bigger than any problem our nation faces. God is bigger than any problem found in this world. God is stronger. He is stronger than any battle that you're going to have to fight. You have to remember how big, how strong our God is. Now, we don't ignore the problems, right? There are giants out there. We are weak, right? I mean, they're bigger than us. They, that was true back then. It's true today. I get that. But listen, we need to be like those two spies, like Caleb. You know what the Bible says about Caleb? This is what I love. It said Caleb had a different spirit. There's something different about Caleb. He saw things differently than anyone else. That should be you. There's something different about them. There, there, there's a different spirit. Like, like, like Joshua, the, the refrain in Joshua's life is strong and courageous. That he was strong and courageous. There were giants in the land. There were these fortified cities. And it wasn't necessarily going to be easy. But listen, God had already delivered his people from Egypt. I want you to think about Egypt for just a moment. They had been slaves for 400 years. They were completely dominated. Egypt was the strongest world power the world had ever seen to that place. Pharaoh was the strongest leader that had ever been seen up to that point. And, and God, through miracles, through plagues, through his mighty work, he delivered this nation of slaves away from the strongest leader, the strongest nation the world had ever seen, and God had brought them into freedom. And they found themselves in the wilderness, and now it's time to go and possess the land, right? Yeah, we can go, but, but then all of a sudden they get scared of these giants. God had just delivered them from Pharaoh. And now they're scared of these little cities in, in a... In a and they had just been delivered from a world empire. It, it, it's almost like God was saying, I got this. I've already beat the hardest team out there. I can take care of what you're about to face. I had a pastor friend who was preaching, I was put it this way. He, he said, imagine you had a basketball team that was so good, it could beat the 98 Chicago Bulls. They were so good, they beat. They they defeated the 98 Chicago Bulls. 
Do you think that same team is going to have a difficult time against the Mount Prospect Junior High Rec League? You know? No. God was strong. He was able. Here's a principle I want you to remember. The majority voice will almost always be the negative voice. The ten spies versus the two spies. The majority voice will almost always be the negative voice. And if you would like to be discouraged, you don't have to look very far. And what's even more amazing is that when the Israelites listened to the majority voice, you know what they said? Let's pick another leader to take us back to Egypt. If you want, you can find someone who will take you back into bondage. It's there. That negative voice is there. If you want it, you can have it. But that majority voice will never lead to freedom. That majority voice will never lead to abundant life. That majority voice will lead to ultimately death. You want to know why? Because Jesus said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. Don't follow the majority voice. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many, the majority. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. See, there's a, there's a narrow way that Jesus is calling us to. And he's calling us to this. And this is probably what's most important about right now as we move into a new day is that Jesus is saying, look, I'm king. I'm Lord. I'm master. Follow me. Repent. Lay your life down. Come after me. And let me tell you, if you lay your life down and not follow all the opinions of this world, but follow God, follow his word. When you do that, I know it's a narrow way. I know not everybody's doing it. But when you do that, it leads to life. The other way leads to destruction. So it's a narrow road. We listen and we believe what God says in his word, like, like Caleb did, like Joshua did. And it will lead us into the promised land. And, and I want to say this, too, because Jesus is king and you are not. So if Jesus is always agreeing with you, you might be wrong. You might not know who Jesus is. You've got to see what Jesus says in his word. And what he says is the way, the truth, and the life. Don't get your opinion from anyone else. Go to King Jesus. Follow him. It's a narrow way. You may be the only one on that way, but it's the way that leads to life. And we need to see the real enemy. The enemy's out to destroy you, but you need to see the real enemy because the problem with the Israelites is they weren't looking at the real enemy. They were looking at themselves. They were looking at how small they were. They missed out how big God is. They saw the problem and they missed the promise. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. 
it, it said, as Jared read, that they carried a cluster of grapes so big. This cluster of grape was so big and so heavy, it took two people to carry the cluster of grapes. They had in their hand the supernatural abundance provision of God. They had the promise of God in their hand, and all they saw was how small they were. They couldn't see the promise because they thought they were so small. They were focusing on themselves rather than on God. And when you focus on yourself, you will see the problem. We were in Israel a number of years ago. I was leading a, a group there, and uh, one day we were able to spend the entire day with a rabbi and his family. It was a treat. It was one of my favorite experiences ever to stay with the rabbi and his family. And, and one part of the day we were opening the scriptures as he was preparing uh, his talk for synagogue that week. And so he had his scriptures, and, and we were discussing them. And it was a passage similar to this where the children of Israel had rejected God after God had provided so much. I mean, you think about it, God de delivered them from Egypt. We've already talked about that. He made water come out of a rock in the middle of a desert. He gave them food every single day. Their clothes never wore out. Their sandals never wore I mean, God took perfect care of them all that time. And yet they doubted God again and again and again. And so I asked the rabbi, I, I said, I, I don't mean to be rude, but why did they always doubt God? Why, why in every instance God promises something and they don't believe him? They, they don't have enough faith. They, they doubt God. And, and the rabbi said, no, they didn't doubt God. And I'm like, well, no, they do because we, yeah, see, they, and he goes, no, they didn't doubt God. They believed God could do anything. They just believed that God had chosen the wrong people. They, they thought, God, we're a nation of slaves. You have chosen the wrong person. You've chosen the wrong people. And, and that's why every time there was a big battle ahead, they didn't want to fight. They knew God was powerful. And that's not just the children of Israel. I know people today, all of us in this room, we believe God can do anything, right? Right? We sang about, we believe God can do anything, absolutely, but then when we turn our eyes on ourselves, oh, but not me, God, you can't do it in me. You know, because we're too bad, we're, we're this, we're that. And, and listen, it's not about you, it's about God. Get your eyes off yourself, get your eyes off this world, get your eyes off the, your problems, and get your eyes on God, because fear focuses us on ourselves. Faith focuses us on God, and we need to turn our attention to God. We need to have the attitude that Joshua had in, in Numbers uh, 14, 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I love that. They're bred for us. I know we haven't eaten in a restaurant in a long time, but you know my favorite part is when they bring that warm bread out, the bread and the butter. I begin to devour that bread and butter as it comes out because just, I'm just ready to eat. God's like, look, they're bread for you. I've handed them over to you. And that, 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 that mindset of Joshua, believe God that he is doing this. Look, we're not going back to the past. 
We're not going back to an old normal. We are moving into a new day with our King Jesus. We are leaving our idols behind. We are leaving the past behind. We are leaving the old ways behind, and we're pressing in to a new day. And we need to do this together. We need to do this every day because guess what? The world needs us now more than ever. It needs light. It needs salt. It needs you. It needs you to be praying. It needs you to have a different spirit about you. It needs you to be bold and courageous. And it's time for us to pursue and promote King Jesus. It is time for the church to stop going from survival and move to revival. Just Let's just keep it going and keep the lights on and the doors open. But no, we are becoming a mighty army in these last days as we prepare for our king to come. And we need to announce the coming of our king. And the next time you see something on the news, the next time you see something in your life that is scaring you, that you are afraid of, it's time to say, my God's bigger than that. It's time to begin to take that thing that is causing fear in our life and turn it into a prayer to God. God, you're bigger than that. God, you're able. God, you can use me in turning that around. And it's time to begin to have that attitude that we are children of the king, that we have his power, we have his authority, we have his place on earth, and he won't do anything apart from his people. He needs you to sign up today to follow the king. We need to pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done here on earth as in, in heaven. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to honor him. And we're going to press into prayer today. Because I believe that, that God is enlisting us today. He is calling us to move into a new day, a promised land. He wants us to go and possess the land. He wants us to stop looking at the problems, stop being afraid, and to start seeing how big our God is. God, we need you. God, we're going to pursue you today. We surrender our way. We surrender our will. We just surrender everything to our king because we need you Jesus our world needs you and Jesus you're not going to show up without showing up through your people without showing up through your church and God I pray that revival begins in this place it begins in our hearts Lord it begins in our lives that there would be a different spirit about us that there would be courageousness boldness God strength in your people that your kingdom will come, that we will choose the narrow way. We won't go the wide way. We're going to go the narrow way, your way, Jesus, because that way leads to life. So, Lord, today in this time of prayer, before we go, we surrender to our King. And, Lord, I pray that in your presence right now, we would receive your marching orders. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord for a moment before we pray together.